welcome to another episode of the Scholars and Dollars podcast. This is H, and this is Miss Harrison here um, to touch base with you a couple of questions that we've gotten specifically for me um, about NCAA and college recruiting. And I wanted to take a minute to answer those specifically um, while I could on our show. Um, we just appreciate so much of the feedback that you've sent to Pay Scholarship Academy or to our personal email email addresses and social media accounts. Um, so we'll get right into it. A couple of the questions I've gotten have kind of centered around the same thing. And that's what is reclassing, right? So um, that simply means to just go from, to move from one class or classification to another. So a lot of times students, athletes may do this to um, make up for lost time after an injury, um, to prepare, have another year to prepare for the next level, to um, increase their chances of scholarship opportunities. I spent a lot of time talking about the transfer portal. And so a lot of parents have had questions about the transfer portal and then what that impact is on their child. And it, and it really just depends on your sport, um, but definitely going to have an impact in the next few years on all of our student athletes coming out of high school. Um, you can reclass in se- several ways, but not at public schools. So when you hear about someone talking about reclassing, they're typically transferring to a public institution or a prep academy um, that receives public that receives private funds, excuse me, um, where they're able to go back a year. A lot of times it happens over the summer. I definitely wouldn't recommend reclassing unless you've spoken specifically um, to your coaches and then other advisors that you can trust. Um, and those specifically related to recruitment, right? So a lot of times, you know, you hear like, oh, I'll just reclass and have another opportunity. Well, sometimes, you know, a reclass is not the option. You know, maybe your best option would be another question that I've gotten, which has been about postgraduate prep academies after you graduate, spending time, um, you know, getting more time at these academies, uh, IMG, other academies that have, you know, have give you an opportunity to spend more time after graduation, Um in the same for the same reason, right? So that might help your recruitment. If you're not satisfied with those recruit recruitment opportunities you get in that senior year, then you may go off to a prep academy. Pros and cons to this is again, you want to make sure you have spoken with college coaches, you have spoken with trusted advisors and other trainers, and make sure that this opportunity is the best opportunity for you. Now, I have seen people go to postgraduate academies and, and come out with less offers than they went in with. And there's a variety of reasons why that can happen. Again, going back to the transfer portal and going back to even before the transfer portal, you may have missed an opportunity or you may think that your talent level is at a different space than it actually is, which takes me back to talking to your coaches, takes me back to talking to trusted individuals and other colleges, coaches and who recruiters who you can trust. And that means not just people that you may have like looking at film, People have seen you in person. People have played against you. Other coaches, opposing coaches, um, coaches who have, you know, are at games to recruit other people. Um, you know, you may be playing against them. So if you think that you are Division One level talent, uh, specifically if we're talking about volleyball or basketball, and you're up against someone who is Division level talent, and they have proven talent in that they have been offered scholarships by other institutions at the level that you want. So if you want to offer from University of Florida or Georgia or Texas or Texas A&M and you're playing against someone who's received offers in that power five bracket and you cannot contain that player. So, you you know, you have to also be able to defend those players, right? So, you know, you may not get the same 
recruitment opportunity again. So in that time, you want to always show off, right? You always see people like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to show off here and I'm going to show them that I can stop this person. And, you know, what does that say if they score 30 points and you score 30 points? Were you able to defend them? Not necessarily, but what opportunities do you have, you know, outside of that game to kind of step your game up and get recruited? So does that mean they played on a different AAU team than you? Are they playing with a different club team? Are they getting more exposure, you know, out in the recruiting areas where arenas where college coaches actually are? Um, we talked when I was, had our my guests with me, we talked about, you know, athletes going to different tournaments that are, you know, during the dead period. So you have to evaluate what you're doing differently, maybe than other people. But then while all that is well and good, you don't want to compare yourself to other players, um, you know, past the surface, right? Because comparison is a thief of joy. I, be- I believe that wholeheartedly. So you don't know what that those students may do. You may you don't know what connections that person may have. You don't know the work that that person puts in. And it's so we're so quick to say, well, I need to reclass because so-and-so reclass. Or, you know, if they got an offer to this place, and I definitely should get an offer from this place. And that causes, you know, depression and sadness for young people and then the adults get into it. And really, it's about the child. So take the time to, before you make a decision, like reclassing, um, take the time to talk to people that you can trust who don't have any vested interest in what the child does either way. You know, your high school coach may say, well, don't leave and reclass if, you know, that means you might leave their team, right? But then you may have a coach who supports your decision because they're there for you. So if your high school coach is helping you get in a better situation to be recruited, to do what's best for you, then that may be someone you can trust. So definitely talk to, um, you know, family members and trusted advisors. So many times we're comparing ourselves to things that we don't know about. And so it's really important to do differently from that. One of the things that I got, one of the questions that when we ask, you know, what do you want to hear about on the H&M on our show and the things you wanted me to answer? One question was about post-grad. So here's the question. Is postgraduate basketball academy a good option for players looking to get a D1 scholarship or to play on a D1 level to gain exposure? I know travel basketball and camps give players exposure, but my son's situation and others that live internationally due to military service is a challenging is challenging to get exposure. So there are several opportunities um, for students to get exposure that aren't, that don't, you know, require you to take part in anything that have, you have to pay money for. But um, the best way to do it is to become a part of those exposure groups. And so if the academy is giving your child specific opportunities, particularly those internationally, um, you know, take advantage of those. Also look at your potential to be recruited. So if you want to be recruited in the States, you're going to have to do some, travel in the states so make sure that if there's an academy that's doing that there's several um that i looked up so it's not just one opportunity to do that you definitely want to look into where their kids are going or if your child is you know at level to be recruited at division one level so um think about budgets for different sports and different teams um and this is not just basketball i know that question specifically basketball but you have to look at the budget of different um schools and different teams and where they're going to be recruiting so make sure you put yourself in a situation to play against talent that's being recruited by the schools that you want to go to. Um, a lot of students come over and they've been international and they're being recruited internationally and coaches have budgets for those things. And you see that at some of the larger schools. So I think it's really important to evaluate your child's talent before you jump into anything that would put them into 
different arenas where, you know, they may not be getting seen, but you definitely want to get those videos and things out. Um, you know, like Coach said before, I saw something about um, making sure that you <laughs> don't email coaches your videos. In, but, um, you know, true. You want to make sure you have contact with coaches before you start sending random videos, particularly videos from places and students that haven't been out already, right? So they may have seen you, you may have gotten a phone call. If you've gotten a phone call, then it's okay to send videos, um, particularly if you're someplace where you can't get um, to some of these live periods and things where, you, where people can see you. But they're definitely going to want to see you um, in person. They're definitely going to want to see you up against talent that they can, you know, they've evaluated and that they've seen have been talented in those schools and programs that have produced athletes. Um, in terms of the circuit, making sure you're on the right teams. And so I got a question about, you know, my child um, scores 30 points a game during their AAU season, but they barely get any time during the high school season. So I don't know your specific situation, so I, I try not to guess. But as a former coach, if there's a student or a child that's playing on my team and they can get – they can score 30 points, then we definitely would want them to score 30 points. And so – Think about where you're playing in the summers. Think about where your AAU team is playing. And then you want to be able to make sure that, um, you know, you're being fair to your coach. So, you know, you may be playing behind some talent. And you de if that's the case, then every time that your child touches the ball, you want to get in there and do the best you can and play your role on the team. College coaches who are recruiting your child in the summer will also see that your child can be a role player because they won't be the best wherever they go all the time. That's just not that's not realistic, and it doesn't happen very often. So you want to make sure your child can play the roles, and that you're being supportive of them when they get frustrated, and explain to them that you know you're here for um, a team. These are team sports, and so what you can contribute is going to be really, really important. Um, you know, in AAU where your role may be one thing, and then um, with your high school team where your role may be another. But to remember to play your role uh, specifically, and make sure that. Um, you know, you're giving your best effort because your effort comes across in everything that you're doing. So specifically about being recruited, if you're frustrating, frustrated and moping every time your high school coach pulls you out the game, all that stuff um, can translate to no scholarship for you because there's a child who um, runs on the court, is supportive of their teammates, um, you know, gets back on defense, follows their rebounds and all those things that, you know, you don't want to lose out on a scholarship based on something that you can control. So parents, make sure that you're supportive of that and you're supportive of that high school coach. If you're not going to do anything about your child playing on those teams, there's no need to be in the stands arguing and fussing with the coach. Because, yes, um, another parent brought up the fact that, yes, you can, um, you know, take your child out of a scholarship based on your attitude or yelling and all that stuff in the stands. So make sure there's nothing that you're doing. Um, to hurt your child or make sure, that, you know, to keep them away from getting a scholarship. Um, make sure you're only helping and not hurting. So keep that in mind. Uh, the next question is about Division two and Division three schools. So for Division three schools um, in the NCAA, you won't have any scholarship money that's coming from the athletic department. Okay. So that doesn't mean that you won't earn any scholarships. And maybe I wasn't clear, but that doesn't mean that you won't earn any scholarships at the school, that just means you won't have scholarship money coming from the athletic department. Okay. So you may earn a full presidential scholarship based on your academics. You may earn a scholarship um, 
you know, that's, you know, from your state, right? So if you have a local lottery scholarship or something that comes that's merit-based, you may get those scholarships. But in terms of scholarship money that comes from your um, athletic department or the athletic department at that school, Division three schools do not offer that money for Division two schools. So I had someone say, well, yeah, you can get a full scholarship to a Division two school. You absolutely can. But 100% of those funds are not coming from their athletic department. Okay, so keep in mind that, you know, you're going to get money. It could be housing. You know, I have some students, it may be $2,000. It may be um, your tuition, and then you have tuition and fees paid, but you have to pay for your housing. Uh, It may look like, you know, $5,000 flat fee, Um, but you never know what that is, but it's not a full scholarship specifically for your athletes. Now, do college coaches and um, admissions departments work together to make sure that their top athletes have full scholarships at Division two level? Absolutely. I've seen it happen, and, you know, people can work together to make things happen specifically for certain students if they're heavily recruited. But that doesn't mean the funding is still coming from that Division two school. It is not. Um, as far as Division one goes, I've mentioned, um, you know, headcount sports where – that they have a certain number of scholarships each year that are available, and then that's all the scholarships they can give. So that might be three additional scholarships one year. It could be 10 another year. And so that is where we enter the um, transfer portal being, you know, really heavy for those Division One schools. <clears throat> Division One schools um, can offer someone a full scholarship if it's a headcount sport like basketball or women's volleyball, um, football. Um, and those scholarships, they may say, okay, we have – four seniors graduating, and we have four scholarships for freshmen or for new students. So with the transfer portal, you may have students who are coming in who um, are second-year or third-year students coming in that transfer portal without having to sit out, um, and they may earn that full scholarship space. And so in inner, like we mentioned before, the world of the preferred walk-on. So we're getting a lot more preferred walk-on offers out there, which nothing is wrong with, Um especially if the talent is there and if you have covered the money for school. I get a lot of questions lately about preferred walk-on offers versus, um, you know, paying, you know, your full tuition, right? So without being an athlete. Well, um, preferred walk-on offers can come associated with some sort of commitment from the team or they can come with nothing, meaning you just happen to be there and, um, you know, if you make the team, you make the team, but you're paying full tuition. And this works if you're not having to pay any other tuition, any other bills outside. So that means if you can afford to be there at the school and you've earned scholarships based on your academics and merit-based scholarships or outside scholarships that we talk about with Miss M all the time, um, you know, it may work out for you to become a preferred walk-on. It didn't cost you anything extra. But going to a school uh, specifically, um, to play a sport that you have to pay a tuition that you can't afford, to me, is not worth it, right? So when we're saying look at the offers, look at what you can do um, in terms of your financial ability to support your student, that's really important. But do I recommend going into debt um, to continue a preferred walk-on offer for, you know, a situation where it's just going to get worse and worse? And these Division three schools, a lot of times they're very expensive, um, same with Division Two. So you want to make sure that you, you know, you don't put yourself in a bind committing your child to play sports for a team that you're not going to get any money to pay to play for. Um, 
there's a lot, there's a lot that is out there and we want to make sure that we, um, def- definitely, uh, put yourself first. Like when you're thinking about your child, right? So what can you afford to do? So if we're playing and we get in 11th grade and we don't have any scholarship offers, then we get to 12th grade and you get a scholarship offer, but you have to pay, um, $10,000 a semester, right? For your child to go to this school, but they can go to another school, um, and not pay, right? A state school not pay, but they won't be a part of that team. Not the first year. And so we don't want to put ourselves in situations where they, um, where, you know, they're worried every month about this payment plan or if these payments can be made. So keep that in mind. We want students to go. I'm an athlete. I, I support, you know, continuing on with your athletics, but you got to know when to say when specifically if it's going to put you in debt, right? We don't want you to go in debt um, for those things. So keep that in mind when you're going out and spending all this money um, in the summers. Um, and that goes back to, you know, when we talked about live and dead period. So if we're spending five and $10,000 each summer going out for AAU or club sports and we're going out in a dead period where we're not even being seen by college coaches, we got to check ourselves and, and decide, you know, are we just out for family vacation or are we out, um, you know, trying to make something happen in terms of the scholarships? Because every parent I talk to is telling me that the reason their child is playing AAU um, and I won't say every 80% of the parents I talk to, the reason their child's playing AAU basketball or club sports is because they want to have an opportunity to play at the next level. So be honest with yourself when you're getting into the summer between 11th and 12th grade, you know, where are we with scholarships? So these class of 2023 students who are making sure that where you are with, you know, going into that senior year that you're prepared um, in terms of your SAT, ACT scores and getting ready to get, onto your next step. And let's be honest, we got to make sure that we have a plan in, in place. And so if we're starting off our school year, um, seniors, I'm talking to you, where are you with your sport? Where are you with your grades? Um, look at what you need to, to have. Meet with your school counselor. Make sure you can schedule the courses you need to have and then make sure you're able to um, retake any courses that you need. Because, you know, now that we're getting into, you know, replacing grades and all those different things, we want to have the highest grade we can. So a lot of people are jumping on to online programming. Um, I would steer clear from it unless you have, you know, checked to make sure that um, those courses have been approved by the NCAA. You can do that, and I'll make sure I put the NCAA website, elig- the eligibility website up so you can look specifically at those schools, and you can look at your school and see what courses have been approved by the NCAA. So you have up until really um, going into the end of your uh, senior year to make sure you take the courses that you need. But I always recommend that, you know, sophomores and juniors, we're looking at early qualifying. So meet with those school counselors, talk to them about what you want to do, talk to them about your goals. You don't want the reason that you're not recruited by someone to be because of your grades. You don't want that to be the reason that you have to reclass or you don't want that to be the reason you have to go to a prep academy after graduation. Um, you want to have your grades taken care of. You want to have the highest SAT or ACT score possible. Um, And you want to have put the time into your academics as much as your athletics. So keep that, you know, in the front of your mind. And I don't think any coach um, that you'll have at any of your schools will disagree with how important it is to make sure your grades are first. So um, with that, also, you know, get involved in other things. So when it's time to make your resume, what else are you involved in? So if you are part of – you know, a team and you should also consider student government or National Honor Society or, you know, doing your volunteering because 
like I said, with Division two and Division three schools, you don't have the opportunity um, necessarily to get a full athletic scholarship. So you want every little piece of money that you can find to couple with that so you can get um, – you can make those rides free for you if you want to continue to, into your sport. Um, I did have a presentation a while ago, next college student athlete. I have numerous, numerous um, messages about, you know, what to do with next college student athlete. Look, I do not know anyone who's gone, you know, who said that, you know, their scholarship opportunity was um, just because of next college student athlete. But it comes up. It comes right up. It is a website um, specifically geared toward people who are recruiting you. Um, and I talked about it, and I'll continue to talk about it. I had a parent who was paying $200, y'all, um, every month to these people to have her child recruited um, and in track. And so, you know, every sport is different. But I can tell you track is one of those sports where you're not getting a full scholarship for track unless you're Olympic ready, Olympics ready, right? And so a lot of schools are giving partial scholarships. And so you're not required to pay anybody um, money um, to get recruited. And so you're not expected to do that either. You know, let your talent speak for itself. Let your transcript speak for itself. Let your grades, I mean, your character show others that you have what it takes to play at the next level and be um, be aware of how that's perceived. You definitely don't want to, you definitely don't want to put yourself in a situation where you're, um, you know, paying out money. And just think if you're talking about paying $100, $50, $200 a month, and college coaches, you know, may or may not see you, right? And you're making those contacts. You're doing those things. And it's um, a lot of times those people that are hired, right? Um, I talked to that student, that parent, and they had spoken with a recruiter, but that recruiter was hired by the organization. They weren't, they still weren't talking to a college coach. They still weren't talking to a college recruiter. And so some of you have asked how to phase out of using NCSA. I would say, you know, if you've paid for the month, go ahead and um, unsubscribe. You know, you can use all the information they gave you. If they gave you college names, um, my recommendation would be to reach out to them after the fact, write down those numbers, um, get the things that you need to get done. Um, so that you can uh, use that information and, and it, you know, make sure it wasn't all a wash, right? So you want to make sure that you um, get that information out of there. If they like that, and if they lock you out of your messages and those things, just make sure you have all that stuff recorded. Um, but no, you do not have to be a part of any recruiting organization. You do not have to pay for those things. And some people will tell me, you know, well, I just want to organize it. Well, everything that, you know, they can tell you that, you know, I can tell you, Mrs. M can tell you, um, it's out there for free. The information is there. Your high school coach can tell you. Your ball, um, your club coach can tell you. So make sure that um, you keep that in mind. Lastly, um, you know, in the questions I get, people always want to ask me about, you know, when there it's time to do your weighted GPA versus um, your unweighted GPA that you use for NCAA. So on the NCAA website, they do not take into consideration IB or um, AP courses um, in, in your GPA. So when we're talking about you need a 2.3 GPA in order to be eligible for Division One athletics, we're talking about a raw core GPA of 2.3. Um, that 2.3 is simply, um, you know, A is a 4.0, B is a 3.0, C is 2.0, and D is 1.0, and you get zero points for an F. With that being said, you need a 2.3. 
So some people always ask me, how can I look at it? I promise I can look at a transcript and determine if someone's eligible. Um, unless it's, you know, they really just be seated up. I can see just by the number of D's on a transcript, the number of um, F's on a transcript and the lack of A's on a transcript, whether a person's going to be eligible or not. So keep in mind that those 16 credits do not come from your elective classes like art or PE or band. And even though those things make your weighted GPA look lovely, uh, keep in mind that it's only we're only looking at your English, math, science, social studies, uh, foreign languages. Um, those courses can go in there and make your GPA what it, what it is. Uh, so keep that in mind. Right now, of course, last group has come through with the COVID waivers and where they waive the SAT and ACT. You want to make sure you go ahead and get those tests taken. I always recommend my most competitive athletes take the test at the end of the sophomore year. That can be the ACT or SAT, but definitely after they've completed their Algebra 2 course, um, neither test goes past the end of the Algebra 2 book. So you might have a little trig on there, but that is basically things that should be taught in Algebra 2. So make sure that you are testing so you can see you do not need to send your test scores off um, until you're ready. You do not have to send your test scores directly to the NCAA Eligibility Center until they're ready. Okay, so so many times people ask, you know, when when do I send my test? Are they jumping there the first or the second time and they send that test score directly there? You do not have to do that. You want to definitely make sure that you, um, you know, have met the mark before you send that test score out. So look at your GPA and then we'll, you know, get together. So if you have questions about where your test score lands, keep that in mind that you do not have to send that. Last thing. When you are talking about your test score and your GPA, you also need to be admissible to the school that you're interested in, right? So students say they want to go to, they want to get recruited by any school and any school can, you know, it's fine with me, but you also need to be, you know, admissible to any school. So keep in mind that you have um, students who, you know, will get those offers from some of those schools that are highly intellectual like Vanderbilt or Duke or Georgia Tech or Virginia Tech. Um, Princeton, Harvard, those schools all need athletes, right? So you want to make yourself appealing to those student at to those colleges and universities. And you also want to make it um, easier for your coach who's recruiting you to get you in. So a lot of times those coaches are looking for, you know, academically stellar students. And so the time that you spend practicing, you also need to spend equal time studying to make sure that you have um, the grades ready to go so you can be recruited and you can go wherever you'd like to go. And, of course, we like for you to go for free. So um, that's really in a nutshell the questions we've gotten so far. Um, I know we'll get more after this episode, but I definitely want to have it up there and available for you. If you have any additional questions, you can always reach me on futureplans um, underscore. It's on Instagram. And then you can follow us and reach out to us on payscholarshipacademy at gmail.com. Thank you so much. This is Mrs. H. Well, not Mrs. <laughs> If anybody's asking. Um, thanks so much.